The following message was recorded at New Beginnings Church in Slidell, Louisiana. Please feel free to duplicate and share this message as you feel led. And you are invited to visit us at New Beginnings Church at 330 Robert Boulevard, Slidell, Louisiana, 70458. Our Sunday services start at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday evening services at 7 p.m. If you have any questions, call us at 985-781-4663. And may God richly bless you as you listen to this message. So uh, God is uh, taking this uh, really great guy, a graduate of LSU, Go Tigers, and he uh, took this man and educated him, and he's a practicing attorney down in Orlando, Florida, very successful and as God uh, does in his wisdom and humor, I believe, he uh, imparted to James the message of grace uh, so that what he speaks, uh, although he has the education of an attorney, he has the spirit and heart of a man of God filled with the grace of God. Uh, and just as a word, you know, say, they say confession is good for the soul, so uh, let me just confess that I have a tendency to... Uh, to worry about people who come to this church, especially those who haven't been here before, to hear someone speak that they've never heard before. And yesterday I had a bit of anxiety, just personally, nobody knew it, you wouldn't have seen it on my face, but just the way that I am, uh, we had uh, 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 three ministers actually here. One is from uh, uh, a very staunch uh, Baptist, uh, missionary Baptist church. Uh, another is uh, from a Pentecostal church, and another was from the LDS church. And so I figured with those three, I'm going to lose three friends because I know James is going to say something that's just going to blow their little brains. Well, all three of them, uh, I spoke to them after the services, they were in awe of what they heard. And they realized that there are some things that they had just never heard before and uh, didn't have an understanding of. It's not that they were fighting anything or, or resisting anything. It's not that it changed them uh, individually, but it, it opened their heart and their mind through the Spirit. See, it's the Spirit of God that speaks to the church of God. And God speaks to his people in, in unusual ways. And you remember, even with Jesus, it said that they were in awe because nobody ever spoke that way before. And all he did was reveal the truth of the Old Testament so they could see the new covenant. So uh, James is here to do that. So James, uh, I give you free reign and say and do whatever you want. So let's give James a warm welcome. James Barrett. Whatever goes in the basket, I want to donate to this church to help this church out. So whatever goes in the box or the basket is going to go to this church. So that will make it easy for everybody. <laughs> this, this church is an oasis here with, uh, with Morris and Pat here holding the flag high and the banner high um, concerning the finished work of Christ and the love of God and the grace of God. It's a, it's a refuge for anybody who needs to be comforted and encouraged and to see heavenly realities. It's a gem of a place. It really is. And people who watch on the internet um, are getting the benefit of, of this little fellowship all over the place, even from Beijing, from Beijing, China, from Singapore, some of Joseph Prince's people tuned in, and we've got Florida, North Carolina, Louisiana, so it's really cool. Awesome. I want to share this morning, oh, first let me say this, if you, weren't, if you were not able to be here yesterday morning, really encourage you to get that, that message, the CD, or go online and listen to it. We shared about what it means to pray under grace as opposed to pray under law. And I think you really would be blessed by it. It's, it we talked about how believers in the new covenant sometimes bring over into the new covenant of grace thinking that is really old covenant thinking. And so they're trying to pray in an old covenant way and, they're miss, and we're missing out on so much. So anyway, I just want to encourage you to take a look at that message that we did uh, Saturday morning. And I think it'll, it'll encourage you. Um, I want to share this morning on awesome, awesome truth. I pray that the Spirit would help us hear. I pray that the Spirit would help me articulate what's inside of me. Um, 
and do this for me. Paul said this. He said when he went to speak, he said that the people that heard him speak received his word not as from men, but as from God. And that revelation that came from Paul as they took it as from God worked effectually in them because they looked at Paul not as just a man bringing a message, but he, they really saw beyond the man and heard the voice of God. So I want to encourage you to hear what the Spirit is saying through me and hear it as if Jesus himself is teaching and speaking to us. It's powerful when you see past the man, past the flesh, past and hear, because the Holy Spirit in you will bear witness. And as we search the scriptures to see if these things be so, the Spirit will bear witness. It's awesome. So I want to share this morning, and I'm not, I'm not going to talk a long time. I just really feel like what I'm about to share. <laughs> well, what I'm, what I'm about to share is is. I kind of look at it as uh, it's, it's concentrated meat, uh, revelation, rich. I mean, and I, I don't want to dilute it by talking too much, if that makes any sense. It's really, this is really something that's powerful. And so I'd rather not add too many words to it to where it loses its, its impact. And this is what I want to share about. God swore an oath. God swore an oath for us. He swore an oath, the scripture says, so that we could have strong encouragement. God, now think about this, God who cannot swear by anything other than himself, for there is no one higher than him, swears by himself. He swore by himself so that you and I could have strong encouragement and so that we could experience his reality beyond the veil now. He wants us to experience him and know him beyond this visible seen world, beyond the veil. Strong encouragement to be with him, to see him, to encounter him, to hear him beyond what we see. Now this oath This oath is powerful. God has only done this twice. Twice. He swore by himself when he blessed Abraham. When Abraham offered up his only son, and, and God saw that Abraham did not withhold his only son, and Isaac was being offered up, God said, stop. Don't touch the lad. And the ram was seen in the thicket as the sacrifice, as the substitute, a picture of the Christ, a picture of God's only son that would take our sin upon himself. And God said to Abraham, he said, I swear, Abraham. So touched God. It so touched God because he saw his son. He knew his son was going to do that for us. It so touched God that he, a man would have faith in him and not withhold anything back that he would say, I swear, Abraham, I'm going to so bless you. I swear. In blessing, I will bless you. And in multiplying, I will multiply you. I swear by myself. That's the first time he did it. Because it was a picture of the Christ. It was a picture of the Son of God who would give himself for the sins of the world. 
And he saw in Abraham a man of faith who would simply believe. Second time God did it is hidden in Psalm 110. David, by the Holy Spirit, in Psalm 110, writes a prophecy of the Messiah. It starts off with, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit at my right hand. It's the scripture Jesus quotes to the Pharisees when he was trying to tell them who he was. And he said, why does David say, the Lord said unto my Lord, if, if David calls him Lord, how can he be the son of David? How can the Messiah be the son of David and yet be the Lord of David? Of course, they couldn't figure that out. But that's what that psalm is about. Psalm 110 is about the Messiah. And in that psalm, in that psalm is the second oath. God swears with an oath and says, you, speaking of Jesus himself, you are a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And I will not repent of this, God said. I will not repent of this. I will not change my mind. I swear he is your high priest. He, referred, he said it that way. He is your high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, think about this. This oath that God gave, that Hebrews talks about it. We're going to read a couple of verses in a second. This oath that God gave is supposed to give a strong encouragement. We who have fled for refuge to God. Strong encouragement. And it's supposed to open the heavens for us and the veil so that we can experience and see and understand heavenly things. I mean, this is awesome. Yet, if you ask most believers, ask most Christians, here is an oath that God swore by himself so we would have strong encouragement. If you ask most believers, what does that oath mean to you? Most people don't have a clue. Now think about that. God swore by himself an oath so that you could have strong encouragement, so I could have strong encouragement, and yet the oath is almost wasted because we don't have a clue. We really don't know what it means that he is our high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. We don't know what that means. We might have some, but this is, in the next few minutes, we're going to know what that means. And the next time you hear someone say, God swore with an oath that Jesus is my high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, you're going to go, God, yes. There's going to be a leap inside of you because you're going to know what that means. Listen, if God, God says, if you know what this oath means, it will give you strong encouragement and, and enable you to go beyond the veil and understand heavenly realities. That's a powerful oath. So let's, let's take a look at this real quick. In Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. First he talks about the first time that God made an oath. He says in chapter 6, let me see, I'll start back on first. Uh, 13 for when God made the promise to Abraham since he could swear by no one greater he swore by himself saying I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply you and having thus patiently waited Abraham obtained the promise for men swear by one greater than themselves and with them an oath given as a confirmation is an end of every dispute in other words among men to to make sure that there's, that there's no dispute, among men, a man will swear an oath so that the parties know this is going to happen. I swear with an oath. Verse 17, in the same way, desiring, this is God desiring something. What is God desiring? In the same way, God desiring even more to show the heirs of the promise 
the unchangeableness of his purpose interposed with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul. Sure and steadfast. The word hope there is not in the original Greek. Both sure and steadfast. This anchor, sure and steadfast. And one which enters within the veil. Where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Okay, what, what the writer in, in Hebrews is saying is that God made, he made a, a promise in Psalm 110 that the Messiah would be our high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And he could have just said that and just said, this is going to be the high priest. I'm changing priesthood. And of course, we know the story about, most of us know the story about Melchizedek and how Abraham went to Melchizedek um, and how he, the scriptures record no beginning and no end uh, of Melchizedek in the scriptures, no father, no mother, no beginning, no end. And Melchizedek, whose name means king of righteousness, who was the king of Salem or Jerusalem, early Jerusalem, Salem, peace, king of peace, king of righteousness, came with bread and wine to Abraham. All a picture of the Christ. A covenant, a new covenant that would come. This is long before the law was ever given. This is Abraham, long before the law. And God could have said through David in the Psalms that the Messiah, when he comes, will be the new priest and the new priesthood after the order of Melchizedek. He could have just said that. But he interposed with an oath. So he said... He is your high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. But he interposed that statement with an oath and said, I swear I will not repent. He is your high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. What are the two unchangeable things he's talking about here? The two unchangeable things is the promise of God that he is your high priest because it is impossible for God to lie. See? So the first thing... The first of the two things is just simply the promise of this new priesthood. It's the promise of a new priest, a new priesthood. And we're going to talk in a second why that is huge and why that is so good news for us. Okay, we're going to get to that in a second. I'm just trying to lay a little foundation. But So the first word of God was that he's going to be your high priest, this Messiah, when he comes. Psalm 110 is all there. When he comes, he will be your new high priest after the order of Melchizedek. He could have just left it there because he's God and he cannot lie. That's enough that God to speak and that's enough. But in order to show the unchangeableness of his purpose, desiring all the more to encourage the heirs of this awesome work of God, he swore for you and me. He interposed with an oath and said, I swear, I swear he's your high priest. He didn't have to do that. He's God. He's a king. A king speaks and it's done. But look at the love of God. Look at the love of the Father for you and I. He wants you to be so encouraged and know the unchangeableness of his purpose. And in a minute, this unchangeableness is going to just make you shout. He interposed with an oath. So the two unchangeable things is simply the word of God that says he is your high priest forever. Forever. And then he interposed or added an oath to that and said, I swear by myself and I will not repent. I will not change my mind. He is your high priest forever. Whew. And why are those two things unchangeable? Because it is impossible for God to lie. You see it? Those two things are unchangeable because it is impossible 
for God to lie. And he could have said it once, but he said it twice and added an oath to the second time he said it. Now, this is huge. God is doing something here that, that if we see it, it will bring you strong encouragement. It will open the veil for you and I, and we will experience Him in new ways because that's what His oath is all about. Beyond the veil, an anchor of the soul, no matter what storm is raging around you and in you and all over, an anchor that goes beyond the veil. A union, a reality that holds you steady in the unseen reality beyond the veil. This oath of God is powerful. And He did it so we could have strong encouragement and experience the anchor that goes beyond the veil. That no matter what you see with your eyes, behold, I have overcome all things. In the world you shall have tribulation. You shall have hard times. But be of good cheer because I am the anchor. And you hold steady in me for I have overcome the world. Behold the oath of God that we might have strong encouragement. So what does this mean? Okay, I'm starting to see, I'm starting to see what this is, but I really don't yet grasp what the order of Melchizedek is all about. Why is, why is this oath so powerful? Why does this oath give me strong encouragement? Scripture says there were two priesthoods in the Scripture. There's the Levitical priesthood under the law, and there's another priesthood that was referred to in Psalm 110, which is the Melchizedek priesthood, the order of Melchizedek, which was a hidden thing that God revealed when Abraham went to Melchizedek, but it wasn't revealed in fullness until Jesus came, what that was all about. Scripture says that when Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek, when he gave 10% of his goods to bless Melchizedek, the Scripture says that Levi was still in the loins of Abraham, yet to be born. Levi, a son of Jacob, yet to be born. Isaac would come, Jacob would come, and Levi would come. In the loins of Abraham, the Scripture says, the way God sees things as concentric circles, circles within circles, that's how he, God thinks, Circles within circles, that's how he sees things. God said Levi paid tithes to Melchizedek. And the scripture says it is the greater that receives tithes from the lesser. So what is God painting a picture of? He's saying the writer to the Hebrews got the revelation that the Levitical priesthood that had a beginning at Sinai when the Old Covenant began, and that Levitical priesthood that ended at the cross of Christ when the veil was rent in two. The scripture says that God was foreshadowing through Abraham that the time would come when finally the eternal priesthood would come to earth. The Levitical priesthood is subservient and inferior to the heavenly priesthood. Levi, in the loins of Abraham, paid tithes to Melchizedek, showing and bowing to the eternal priesthood of Melchizedek who has no beginning, who has no end, and who lives and is our priest after the power of an endless life, after the power of an indestructible life, because he says he is your high priest forever. All right, now, it's the, the picture's starting to get clearer, but we still haven't touched on the real issue here. This is awesome. Melchizedek, king of righteousness, his name, who ruled over the city of peace, Salem, king of Salem, king of peace, brings to us another reality, a reality that God desires us to experience. Under the Levitical priesthood, there was continual sacrifices of sins. And they had many priests because priests died. And the scripture says they had to be replaced with other priests and other priests and many, many sacrifices. Un under the Levitical priesthood, 
there was only a covering of sin. Hebrews 10 talks all about this covering of sin. But it was never taken away. God said in Psalm 51 through David, when David said, Oh, Lord, blot out my transgression. In Psalm 51, David said, You don't desire the sacrifices of bulls and goats. Hebrews says that God had, takes no pleasure in these sacrifices, these daily sacrifices. Melchizedek, that priesthood, is a priesthood that has one sacrifice only. In the fullness of time, this sacrifice would be given. And this sacrifice would be not only a high priest offering up a gift, this sacrifice would be the, the high priest himself offering himself for the sins of the whole world. This high priest who came from heaven brings the heavenly priesthood. The scripture says, if he were on earth, if Jesus were, were on earth, he would not be a priest at all right now. Because the Levitical priesthood was all about the earth, about the natural. Think about that statement. If he were on earth, Hebrews says, if Jesus were on earth, he would not be a priest at all. Why? Because he's not a priest after the flesh. He's not a priest of the, of the covering of sin. He's not a priest of the natural. He's not a priest of this kingdom. He's not a priest of this world. He's a heavenly priest who has fulfilled all things and has take, tasted death for every person, for every sin, for all time. He's outside of time. His priesthood is in the heavens in the true tabernacle, not made with the hands of men, not on earth, but the real tabernacle of which the tabernacle made on earth was just a copy of the heavenly reality. Copies, as God told Moses, okay. God takes no pleasure in, in you having to think and deal with your sins. He doesn't take pleasure in that. God takes no pleasure in you feeling guilty and condemned for your sins. God takes no pleasure in you feeling you can't go to him because of your sins. God takes no pleasure that you can't have fellowship with him because of your sins, because of my sins. He takes no pleasure in that. What he takes pleasure in is the work of his son so that we can go boldly to a throne of grace, not judgment, to find help and mercy in time of need. He wants to walk with us, be with us, live with us, which is not possible if sin is not taken away. So the oath of God is God's desire for us to see that by the sacrifice of his son, for thou hast prepared for me a body, O Lord, that I might offer it. Sacrifice in bulls and goats you had took no pleasure in. Behold, I have come to do thy will, O Father. And what is that will? To offer his body for all of us, for all sin, for all people, for all time. So the Melchizedek priesthood, the oath of God that he is our high priest forever, that Jesus is our high priest forever, means this. This is what the oath means. As long as Jesus is alive, the Father has sworn by himself and will not change his mind. I will never, never, never count your sins against you again. 
That is the glory of the Melchizedek priesthood. I swear with an oath, he is your high priest forever. I have accepted his sacrifice. He sat down on my right hand after purging us of all sin. Hebrew chapter 1, verse 1, or verse 3, sat down. Having purged us of all our sin, the high priest having sat down, for there's no place to sit in the Levitical priesthood temple. There's no chair. There's only in this Melchizedek priesthood is there a place to sit. And he sat down on the mercy seat, the real mercy seat, the very throne of God, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. So God has sworn with an oath, I swear, I will not change, I will not repent, I will not change my mind. He is your high priest forever. This awesome work of God, this is God swearing for us. This awesome work of God is to bring us strong encouragement when we stumble and fall, when we fail, when we sin, when we feel like we're not measuring up and not doing all that we should do or could do. Or He wants us to remember this oath. He wants us to remember the oath. That's why Melchizedek came with bread and wine to Abraham. When we eat of the bread and drink of the wine and remember the covenant meal, we were remembering the oath. See, pre priesthood is all about sin. Priesthood is all about sin. For God to be in a relationship with a man or mankind, something's got to be done about sin. So under the old covenant, the priesthood, the Levitical priesthood, was God's way of covering sin with the blood of bulls and goats, but not taking it away, but covering it so he could dwell in the temple with the people as long as they followed the law and did the, the bulls and the goats and the sacrifices. So sin was covered with that priesthood because priesthood, remember, is all about sin so that, so that God and man can be together. The, the priesthood after, after the order of Melchizedek was a priesthood that removed sin, took it away, so that God and man could be together. And that's why the Levitical priesthood is no longer accepted or acknowledged by God. So, when we, when we do take of the covenant meal and eat the bread and drink the wine, see, there's so much wrong thinking out there not in this church because you guys, it's awesome. The covenant meal here is awesome. But there's a lot of wrong thinking out there that says before you take the bread and drink the wine, you're supposed to examine yourself for sin, confess any unconfessed sin so you can take of the covenant meal so you're not drinking it, eating it unworthily. That, that whole teaching is, is widespread in the body of Christ. The truth is Paul never taught that. Paul never taught that. Paul taught that you merely should examine yourself to see if you're in Christ. Is Christ in you? Otherwise, you're unregenerated, is what he said. The examination is not about sin. It's about who you are. Are you a member of the body? Discern the body. Discern who is a member of the body. People need to realize you know, whether they're a believer or not before they take of the covenant meal, because the covenant meal is a powerful thing. A powerful thing. It's a remembrance of the work of Jesus himself and the removal of all sin. It is the it is the expression of the Melchizedek priesthood that goes beyond the veil. That's why there's healing in the covenant meal because there's a powerful impartation of life in the covenant meal beyond the veil. It's a remembrance of the oath of God. I mean, you have the oath of God. You have the work of Christ. You have this awesome veil that's been rent and an anchor for the soul. And you remember these things knowing that your sins are not being counted against you ever again by the, by the oath of God. It's powerful. It heals the body. 
So much so that if you take it and you're an unbeliever, it can bring sickness and death to you. And that's what happened. They had some unbelievers that were partaking of the covenant meal. And they, they came in because they saw a good thing, agape feast, a lot of food, let's go. They came, they came to eat, they came to play, but they weren't real believers. And that's why it's, Paul says, make sure, examine yourself. This is a powerful covenant meal. This is spiritual. This is powerful. In the same way that life is important to the believer, it's death that's important to the unbeliever. They drink it unworthily if they're not in Christ. They drink judgment to themselves because His death, His sacrifice testifies against them. You see it? I mean, it's powerful. The covenant meal is powerful. You can come and, and remember Him and you don't have to examine yourself every Sunday to see if you're in Christ. I mean, this is, you know, the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. I mean, this thing about examining for sin in the flesh and name, them, ha, ha, name all of them so you can take of the covenant meal is ridiculous. It's not. We're not doing the meal like it should be as a celebration. Passover, which was a picture of the covenant meal, Passover was a celebration, man. It's a nation was born in a day. God blocks their way by fire and opens the way to the sea through the blood of the Lamb that was put on the doorpost, a door to go to another realm, another reality, to pass through a door. The sea opens before us to another land, a land filled with milk and honey, another reality. The Passover, God has passed over us because He saw the blood on the door. Judgment has passed us over our covenant meal should be ten times more exciting than there. They were just pictures and shadows. You have the reality. There should be a light that just, we, we should be, come boldly to the table and eat of the bread and drink of the wine to remember Him, to honor the oath, to believe in God's oath, to know that His, our sins are not being counted against us anymore, to receive healing for our physical bodies and nourishment, encouragement. It's powerful. And, and unbelievers who, who see this will respect and take note. You don't mess around with this covenant meal. And it should be that way. I'm telling you, it's awesome. There was fireworks when it was Independence Day. It was July 4th for Israel. A nation shall be born in a day. No more slaves to Egypt. He blocks their way by fire and opens the sea before us. Behold His mighty hand. A new nation born in a day. Only pictures of the real nation, a holy nation, a royal priesthood born in a day on the third day when He was raised from the dead. The real holy nation who passed over like Pat said, from the kingdom of this darkness into the kingdom of the beloved Son, now by the Holy Spirit we live in that kingdom, in that realm, now. And we remember Him, not our sin. Under the old covenant, there was a constant reminder of sin. See how we've distorted the truth and kept Christians in bondage. He did not give the bread and wine so we could remember our sin and get confessed up to date so we can be forgiven. Bogus. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Remember that this is my body that was broken for the forgiveness of all your sins. This is my blood that was shed. For the forgiveness of all your sins. This is what Melchizedek brought to Abraham. Bread and wine. As a foreshadowing of the fulfillment of the Christ. Who would bring to earth a heavenly priesthood. Obliterating mankind by the cross. An incredible destruction of all that is flesh. As in the flood of Noah. When God blotted out all flesh. The cross was the judgment of the world, Jesus said. He ended everything. A priesthood is changed. Therefore, the law must be changed, the Scripture says. A new covenant whereby He remembers our sin no more and is merciful to all our iniquities after the order of Melchizedek, King of Righteousness. 
And you and I have received this gift of righteousness from the King of righteousness. Daniel said when Messiah comes, he would make atonement for sin. He would reconcile iniquity. He would end the transgression. And he would bring in everlasting righteousness. This is the anchor that goes beyond the veil. As righteous as God himself, because he gave you and gave me his own righteousness, you walk beyond the veil to him. Strong encouragement for he who has received this abundant grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life. Reign in life. For he is your high priest after the order of Melchizedek. I swear it, God says, and I will not change my mind. Woo! Awesome. Thank you, Lord. You know what's really cool? The Father is so pleased right now. He desired, he desired that the heirs, you, would have strong encouragement. So he swore. He didn't have to do that. So by two unchangeable things, his word, and his word interposed with an oath. And it's impossible for him to lie. And he did that so you would have, and I would have strong encouragement. And so many of his children have no clue what the oath means. It, so many of the believers have no clue and have no benefit in their spirit, in their encouragement from the oath, from the oath of God. An oath of God for his children. So I feel the pleasure of God right now. Because he wants us to know. It's almost like Jesus is, is saying, if it were not true, I would have told you. Yes. For where the priesthood changes, there must be a change of the law. Hebrews. New covenant. Lord, we just thank you for helping us see these things. Thank you for bringing us beyond the veil in Christ. Thank you for the oath, your oath, O oh Father. I swear with an oath, he is your high priest forever. He who comes to him, he's able to save to the uttermost. For he ever lives to make intercession. And that intercession, saints, doesn't mean he's praying for you. Another thing we have wrong. He's not praying for you. The word in the Greek intercession there means he stands in your place before God. Yes. He, is, he is as you are. You are as he is. He ever lives to be you before God. As he is, so are you in this world. And you ever live to be him on the earth as his witness. He ever lives to be you before God, perfect. And you ever live to be his witness here. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. 
It's a fixed reality. That's why he wanted us to remember, to remember about the bread and wine. The covenant meal is supposed to be an incredible Independence Day celebration. We have been translated from this kingdom to the new kingdom by the blood of the Lamb. He no longer counts our sins against us. God has sworn with an oath that our high priest has done it and sat down after purging us from all our sins. Awesome. Right now, I just want you, if anybody here in this room needs a physical healing, I just want you to raise your hand and let's pray together. Anybody who has a physical healing, excellent, excellent. Lord, we thank you that we are in that place in Christ right now. We have gone beyond the veil in Christ. Lord, we thank you for the oath of God that says we are as righteous as you are righteous. Lord, you see every hand raised. You see every heart. Lord Jesus, you are here. As the song said, you are here. You are here. Lord, I pray you would touch every person who needs a physical healing, every hand that went up. Lord Jesus, powerful is the name of Jesus. Oh, Lord, after the order of Melchizedek, King of righteousness, Lamb of God, slain before the foundation of the world, kingdom of God, reality now, beyond the veil, Oh, God, touch every single person that needs a healing. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, heal them from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. You said we would pray for the sick in your name and that they would recover. Let it begin now, Lord, I pray. Confirm the word of your grace with signs and wonders. Work miracles among your saints. Thank you, Lord. Apart from you, we can do nothing. Nothing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the oath of God blue skies blue skies come to me all your heavy laden burden and I will give you rest come learn of me for I am meek and lowly of heart you shall find rest for your souls he who believes on me shall never hunger again and never thirst again. Come to me. I am the bread of life. I am. I am. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the words of life that have poured forth in this room this day. Father, I ask you to seal those words in our spirit. Words of truth, unchangeable truth. That we won't lose it as the day goes by or the weeks go by or the years or the month or our lives go by. Let us always cling to the truth of your word of what you did by yourself, a covenant with yourself that can never be broken. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, that the new covenant is not with God and man, but with God and God. Thank you. But you and Jesus made it happen in the power of the Holy Spirit that we could be the recipients of such an awesome 
covenant. Let us never be the same again, Father. Let us carry this truth with us in our daily lives and give us the ability to share it with others that the true gospel is entrusted to your servant Paul, passed down through the ages to us, my people proclaimed the true mystery revealed in the person of Jesus. Thank you for your servant, James, who came to this place this day to open our eyes that we might see the new reality, the new kingdom, the new covenant, not is seen with the tradition of men or the mind of man, but is seen and revealed by the Spirit of God. We thank you for the revelation, the revelation of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' awesome high priest's name we pray. Amen. 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 Wow. I don't know what to say. Just, uh, I'm, let's all stand. That's what we'll do. <laughs> we'll stand and we'll say, have a wonderful day. Thank you, James. Don't be so long in coming back here. We received the word. Thank you for, for your gift of your time. Thank you, family, for letting you come. I know Cindy hates to see you leave. Those boys hate to see Daddy go. But I pray, pray that God will bless them for having blessed us by letting you come today. Thank you. Thank you, George, for uh, taking care of the uh, prophet that uh, he would be well taken care of and not have to worry about how to get around. And you've uh, sacrificed your time uh, to be with him. And we appreciate it. We thank you so much. Thank everyone who's been here. Be blessed. Enjoy the day. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord. Amen.